Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This week on Forward... People think running for president on the outside looking in, especially if you don't pay attention, they think it's like an ego exercise. It's an ego crusher. It's an ego demolisher. It is so grueling and so painful and so expensive from a time, talent, treasure standpoint, not just money. People are burnt out, jaded. So it's hard to shake them and be like, yo, we really can do better than this. But I hope Taylor finds love. If Taylor gets married and has babies, it will be one of the best baby booms in this country. That's probably my last prediction. Yeah, whatever she names the baby will be the most popular baby name that year. Welcome everyone to 2024. Bah, the year that we've all heard so much about is here. Uh, and to bring us in right we have our old friend for predictions episode, campaign manager for Dean Phillips, Zach Grauman is here. Yay! Is that my claim to fame now, man? <laughs> I mean, you said you were my campaign manager. And uh, so, you, you know, the, you could actually do a more authoritative Yang uh, Dean comparison. We could do one of those side by side charts. <laughs> <laughs> After your campaign, I was like, I'm never touching politics again. I'm pretty sure I've come on this show and said, I'm never touching politics again. Andrew You're and back, then, baby. And You're then back. Dean <laughs> wrote, wrote me back in. He's a good guy. He's a real deal. We're, so order of operations, we're going to review how we did in 2023. That'll be good fun. And then we'll start predicting for 2024. But I, I'm pumped you're working with Dean. Uh, I think that Joe Biden is an historically weak candidate. I think that he will lose to Trump in the general um, and the Democratic Party owes us at a minimum a real competitive process. But what they actually owe us is the best possible candidate to defeat Trump. And Joe Biden ain't it. I mean, like that, that like that's just, you know, empirical. No. So thank you, Dean. And thank you, Zach, for making this stuff happen. New Hampshire votes January 23rd. Um, and we can go into the predictions. But first, how did we do in 2023? So 2023 was fun. That's, that's what I listened to last night, just to recap. Um, so a couple things off the front end. One, I owe you a boba tea because um, I had the over on 15 Republicans running. And I think that final number floated around probably exactly what you said, which is 12. Um, nice. Uh, we can confirm, but it certainly wasn't 15. So I owe you a boba tea. And actually what it should be is boba tea ice cream which they have in the new Hudson Yards. Jing Fu Tang. It's a Taiwanese joint and it's delicious. Uh, Abs- bo- boba, boba tea soft, I like. Boba ice cream, I love. It's incredible. It's <laughs> boba incredible. soft serve. Check it out. It's, near, near it's ridiculous. It's like all the joy of boba tea, but in ice cream. It's wonderful. So a couple of things. I'll, I'll re- recap our predictions. I will say this though, Andrew, there were a couple where we really nailed. And I think you should have we should have more listeners on this podcast because it was prescient. It was, uh, there were a couple of things we really got spot on and a couple of things, big swing and a miss, but a couple of the, the stuff that I think that was more our lane, we really did nail. Um, so you predicted, here were your predictions. You predicted a mild recession. Uh, depends how you define recession. Um, <laughs> I, I, what, what, what I, I'd say, and this we can talk about in this episode. So uh, I think that 2023 prediction just gets punted to 2024. <laughs> as i feel like and so you know like uh for for 2023 you'd say it's a miss um but you know like it, it could be something of a uh too soon call yeah i don't 
you know, some of these things are tough because you look at recession from a technical definition, no. But if you look at are people feeling better or worse about the economy on both sides of the aisle, yes. Yeah, like, yes, there, there would be a lot of people that, that would say right, right now we're in a, a recession based upon yeah. their own lives by the stats. I think the stats I saw are that uh, 72, 75, even 79% of Americans don't think the economy is going well. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and this is honestly what you ran on in 2020 on the what we're measuring, GDP, stock market growth. That's um, true. These things are not really reflective in most of the country. Um, they're, they're good for for us, frankly, for folks that are um, college educated and, and um, thriving in the economy in various ways. And I, I say that humbly, but it, they're not good for the average the average person and even the above average person, it's really tough. Um, I see it a lot. So I'll call that a milk, uh, like lukewarm, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're generous, lukewarm, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, the second one was where you nailed, but you said Biden will announce reelection. You said in Q2, I didn't confirm that, but I think it might've been Q2 or late Q1 nailed that. Um, the big one you nailed was, the rise of uh, the dissatisfied middle um, independence and a third party sort of thing. And I think RFK is the uh, big emblem for that one. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed that one because he didn't really exist as a national figure when we were talking about this. So nailed that Zach launches a company. Also true. You had a new book. Also true. So um, <laughs> that's good. fun. Those are good. Um, and then my predictions were um, the one I did nail was I predicted a, a heated up war between mainstream media and independent media with Elon Musk fueling it. And I think I nailed that one. Um, maybe yeah, that yeah, no, full credit on that, man. Yeah. Um, well, that's like, I can brag on that one because I swung and a miss in the other two. I had DeSantis runs, which I got right, but I had that he wins a Republican nomination and that's almost certainly not going to happen. Um, I, my caveats were right. I did say, look, he's kind of a nerd and that the He's never been vetted on a presidential level. So that's the risk, which I did understand the risk. I just thought he would have been a more vibrant Trump. And the reality is that's not the case. Uh, Trump is still Trump and he's not even close. Yeah, you, you miss that. He's uh, shrimpy, unlikable and can't simulate human interaction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did. You had we had said nerdy. You talked about him being Harvard Law. Like the reality is like he's just retail politics still matter. Um, which is a good thing for democracy. Well, what's interesting, Zach, I mean, you know, I mean, you saw him speak in, in the, the most favorable context, which was he was mm -hmm. speaking to a favorable audience. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you had a, a data point that um, would give a certain I saw him on a panel, which is usually a somewhat, it's like a 30 to 40% of what a real debate is. It's the other 60%. It's the hard part, to be fair, but you have to be have some sort of floor to do that well. And he had it. Um, but man, you're right. It was a big bust. Eh, got that wrong. And the other one was that I thought there'd be a Web3 mainstream company um, where it was I basically had moms and, and other folks using Web3 without knowing it. And that hasn't happened yet. Uh, my bias from being married to Carly Riley probably clouded that judgment. I still think that call is right, but it's not now. I'm too early. Well, yeah, sometimes you get the time frame wrong. I, I'm very bullish on that. Web3, I'm still like, I'm buying ETH all the time. I'm very, very, very bullish, but I don't have an answer. Um, I don't have timing. So anyway, one for three. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. And I think we, we also had a couple um, things on the election preview that that's why I meant where we were really prescient, where you had said you weren't even predicting. You were just like, this is what's going to happen was Joe Biden announces and the Dems, establishment Dems fall in line. And you predicted the ripple effects of that. And we're seeing it now. And it's very, very challenging and very, very frustrating. Um, but you nailed that. And that's why I'm like, look, we need more listeners. And it's like, gee, <laughs> like our listeners are growing for the record. And you guys, we're grateful to you. But that call was spot on. And you made it on CNN, et cetera. But well done, man. We're living that. Yeah. So I, I guess that we can lead off with our politics discussion. So conventional wisdom right now is it's going to be a Trump-Biden rematch in 2024. Uh, I think right now, if you looked at it, you would say um, that's still the more than 50% likely matchup. Um, but people ask me all the time, it's like, hey, what do you think the odds are of something like Dean Phillips upsetting Joe? Well, let's look at the Republican primary first, because it's a little easier. So, uh, you know, voting is going to start in two weeks in Iowa. I think Trump, generally speaking, rolls through uh, the Republican nomination. It's, it's breaking in his favor. 
Uh, there are a couple of things that could happen that would make his path more difficult. But right now it's Trump, Trump, Trump. Uh, and uh, it could be over pretty quick, honestly, because um, DeSantis uh, is staking it all in Iowa. So if Iowa doesn't go his way, he's probably out. And then um, New Hampshire will be the end of Chris Christie, um, mm -hmm. almost certainly. And, and, I, I, uh, and then South Carolina will be Nikki Haley's um, either last stand or victory party. And, but that's pretty quick. Like, the, like it's going to be a fast calendar. The question is, does the only way I see him not rolling is if um, the Dems or they, they do what the Dems did essentially in 2020, where the um, let's call it the anti progressive, the anti Bernie lane lines up behind a candidate, which they all, you know, Pete, Amy, whoever was left lined up behind Joe, right? Um, and if the Republicans do the same thing where you have Christie and DeSantis and Vivek drop out and they all line up behind Haley, maybe, but I don't know if that's, that's not a clean trade-off. Like if you like DeSantis, you might be, uh, a good chunk of them are probably still. Yeah, so, so Nikki, sure. Nikki Haley is the most viable uh, anti-Trump contender. She's got momentum. She's got money. The best case scenario for her is that Chris Christie drops out immediately. Uh, the last poll has Nikki Haley at 29% in New Hampshire, Trump at 44, and Chris Christie at 10. And I'm going to suggest that virtually none of that Chris Christie 10 would go to Trump, because if you're a Christie fan, you're not a Trump fan. So let's say Nikki Haley gets the majority of that, then and then you get some love from independents uh, and the rest of it. It's conceivable that Nikki Haley pulls off an upset in New Hampshire, goes into South Carolina with momentum. It's her home state. She wins. And then the entire thing becomes a, a long, protracted affair. The best thing that can happen for Nikki Haley is that Chris Christie drops out before New Hampshire, endorses her, uh, and then she upsets him in New Hampshire. So yeah. for people who are trying to keep an eye on what's happening, that, that's the key state, in my opinion, New Hampshire. If Trump wins both Iowa and New Hampshire, then he's going to go into South Carolina and uh, and it'd be very hard for Nikki to win there. Though if Nikki uh, wins in South Carolina, the thing can go on for, for more and more states. The major variable in this is New Hampshire. And the variable there is whether Christie drops out. Something happened just yesterday that's very, very bad. Uh, I'll say this and, you know that Chris Christie got 10% in this New Hampshire poll and thus qualified for the, the CNN debate. Um, if, if Chris Christie had missed that debate, then the odds of him dropping out would be higher. Yeah. So it sounds like the Republicans are going to keep this interesting for us. In but, interesting. Well, for, for, <laughs> for you know, for like a, a, a in my opinion, th this thing could be a wrap uh, by, yeah, you're by, 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 by February. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why let big tech companies see everything you're doing online when you can just use ExpressVPN and then be footloose and fancy free? Plus, you get access to exclusive content by beaming in to another market. What do I mean? Let's say you have Netflix and you missed the show Snowpiercer. By the way, I loved that movie. And you want to watch the TV series, not available in the US on Netflix, but if you beam into the UK or someplace else, then there's Snowpiercer on your Netflix. See how it works? This is a way you can get more from what you're already spending on streamers, plus totally anonymous online, plus you can do it by pushing one button anywhere you are. It's why I love ExpressVPN. It's like a set it and forget it. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com yang. Don't forget to use my link at expressvpn.com yang to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So on the other side of the coin, you are making it so that it's not just the, the Biden coronation. And the Biden coronation strikes me as total madness, honestly. Uh, you know, I mean, the dude's at 37% approval. Monmouth just had him at 34% in a poll I, I, I just saw come out. Joe Biden even said in a press conference, 50 Democrats could beat Trump. Which begs the question, it's like, why not let one of them run? One of the 50. Um, be, yeah. yeah, because if you have a generic Democrat, he or she beats 
Trump by eight, whereas you lose to him by three or four. So that's like an 11, 12 point swing. That's pretty much the ball game. So um, I'm going to be more cagey than I normally am on, on talking about the, the Dem race. Um, and I was telling Andrew before the show is I, I have a I try not to be a hypocrite most thing, but I've told my team on Dean Phillips campaign, I'm like, look, no one talks to press unless you go through myself or the comm shop. Um, and here I am talking to quote press on a podcast. So I don't, I don't, am I the press? <laughs> but, I, but I say to them, like the press is, the press is not your friend. Um, and they're not, and there's, um, that's, it's, it's not their job to be your friend. Um, but that said, Andrew, you objectively are a friend. So it's a little different. The, here's the big piece of this is so, and we talked about this honestly last year, we did these predictions in that in 20, the Republican race in 2020, they just canceled the debates essentially, and no one cared. And yep. the the only people that did care was the Democrats being like, tisk tisk, not good for democracy, but not many people really cared. Um, and now the Dems are doing the same thing where there's no debates and no no primary. And which if you have a dominant incumbent, I at least see the logic where it's like, what's the point, right? Um, but you don't have a dominant incumbent right now. And um, so that's where it feels anti-democratic. And you're seeing that across the country in various states where they're just lining up and they're like, Florida does not have a democratic primary. If you live in Florida, you don't get to vote. Um, if, for, if you're a Democrat, you don't get to vote. Um, so that to me is dark. I think it's really dark not to have debates. I think even before Dean Phillips, Marianne Williamson was in double digits in certain states. That's a, that's a legit um, version of a challenger given, given, uh, approval numbers, et cetera, state of affairs. So that's really frustrating. I think my bold prediction is that Joe Biden's not the nominee this time around. Um, I think that's, that's my bold prediction, whether I'm not going to talk whether it's my guy and I have a lot of reasons to think it's my guy or it's, it's someone else or, or something, I think, but I think competition is going to sneak its, its way in here. I will join you in this, Zach. Um, I, I, I think, I think there'll be another nominee on the Democratic ticket too. Yeah, we're biased, um, and, of course. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're self-interested um, in the sense but that. But come on, man! Like, where are we? We're gonna sleepwalk. We're gonna walk right in. Yeah, in the sense that, like, I, I think that the country deserves a nominee who can beat Trump. Uh, I really like Dean Phillips uh, and uh, donated to him and am supporting him in various ways. But here's the thing that no one's talking about that I'd love to help make this case. You know, one reason why Joe's numbers are going down is that he's running again and we can tell it's the wrong decision and people are pissed. You know, like the, the thing that Joe had going for him is that he's like a good dude that loves the country. And in this case, loving the country means getting out of the way and letting someone else run. Uh, you know, like, do you love your, your job as president and the fact that everyone has to listen to you or do you love the country? And he's failing this test and Americans are picking up on that. I'm not the press isn't touching that narrative, but I'm with you. Bold prediction number one, shared by Andrew and Zach. Uh, the Democratic Party has a nominee that is not uh, Joe Biden. I hear this a lot that a primary would hurt Joe um, or help Trump. And I think that's insane. I think that's an insane statement, ignoring our own bias and trying to be objective with that. I think that's, you know, primaries um, end up with the strongest candidate after. Um, almost 100% of the time. There's some exceptions, but most of the time you do. The other thing is you can love Ruth Bader Ginsburg and think she's been wonderful for this country and a powerhouse and a role model, et cetera. And also say at the same time, on the other hand, that she should have retired earlier so Barack Obama could have named her replacement. And she didn't do that. And it hurt women. That's These yeah. are fundamentally true statements. And so- well, I mean, o overstaying your welcome is a, a disease in American politics. Uh, yeah. You know, like pe people do it way too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one thing I appreciate about folks, you know, who, who still had some time on the clock and were like, yeah, I'm out. You know, it's like, oh, good. You know, uh, and by the way, you know, who's very high on that list for me is Dean Phillips, because I uh, like guys not running for Congress again. Um, and if he just hung out in Congress, I mean, these, those guys have essentially lifetime appointments. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> so, need to admire with Dean. The, I think, and, and we talked about this before a lot, is that. People think running for president on the outside looking in, especially if you don't pay attention, they think it's like an ego exercise and it's, it's an ego crusher. It's an it's ego demolisher. It is so grueling and so painful and so expensive from a time, talent, treasure standpoint, not just money. One of the hardest things to ever do. Um, and certainly the hardest thing, the two hardest things I've ever done are, are running with you and now running, running with Dean. Um, it's really, really hard.
that's not to be like, wham, wham, that's a, you know, that's a gig. And that what's the, what's the light at the end of the tunnel is you get to rule the free world. Right. But I, I do like that about our democracy. Like you gotta be ready for prime time. You gotta be a certain level of a trailblazer and soldier to do it. Um, even if you have the easiest path ever, if you're Hillary Clinton and the the stars line up for you, right? Oh um, you have the whole party behind you. It's still hard. Political prediction number two: I think third party candidates break ten percent in uh, in November. Um, you know, you've got RFK. You've nationally got or, or in certain states. Um, nationally, composite. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got RFK. You've got Cornell West. You've got Jill Stein, and then there's the. Elephant in the non-room is uh, like, does someone like Mansion run on no labels? I mean, no labels has bought this ballot access. So are they going to use it? Um, but I, I think that the discontent um, with mm-hmm. now this could change if we're right and you you swap out Joe for Dean Phillips or someone like that. Um, but uh, at this point, I, I think you wind up with generational high in third-party voting um, in, in November. Mm-hmm. The the real question is is who it pulls from. And I think um, there's progressives and populists that if they're running Joe Biden, it's it, they're really going to go to an independent um, or to Trump. And then if there's a strong Democratic candidate, I think an RFK or type actually pulls from Trump. I mean, he, I mean whoever the moderate would, is, uh, the generic Democrat would pull from Trump as well. So that's what's so frustrating. And I think this whole thing is um, we have a general sense of what right looks like here. Like the populist platform in America where it's affordable health care, affordable education, affordable housing, um, like a little bit of a bigger government for this 21st century. And not crazy, not insane, just a little bigger, like a little bit of raising the floor, um, a little bit of capitalism with the floor. I mean, hell, in some cases, very, very you're not, you don't have to spend money. You'd save money. I mean, look at the healthcare system. Oh, healthcare, like, man. I've now, I've now done a lot of research on this. The business case for Medicare for all is um, ridiculously strong, ridiculously strong. Um, and you made it a good yeah. amount in 2020. So, yeah, um, totally. In, in so many ways, I mean, the Dean Phillips campaign uh, is a continuation of a lot of the things uh, that we ran on. It's super fun. Like people don't realize it, but he's for Medicare for all. Uh, he's for trying to make things affordable on every he's level. For, he's, a for, he's for like, uh, you know, like the, new, the the measurements that uh, like American scorecard type stuff. Andrew talked yeah, about. He's for, the, he, I mean, he's, he's more of a, like a populist moderate. It's, it's, he's where most of the country is. Um, no one, and up now, like my job is to get people to know him. Um, and that's hard if there's no, one of the things we had in, in 2020, Andrew, we had an apparatus. We had debates. We had Colbert having the candidates on. We had, the Washington Post, New York Times, all these places do like candidate features. Like there was an apparatus. Come on, man. Dean Phillips was on the Andrew Yang podcast. Done and done. I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> we need but sound if effects. You, Our awesome yes. producer, Daniel, he can add a sound effect. Yes. But it, um, but to your point, it's a different process. Um, we urge everyone listening. Most of you have already done this, but do go to Dean24.com and check out what Dean's about. Do it for my guy, Zach. Zach is still a newlywed. Look at him. Building a life, investing in a presidential candidate named Dean Phillips. Go check out Dean24.com. Do it for Zach. Do it for our guy, Zach. Thanks, guys. I, Do it for um, the country. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. My brother's been joking that this campaign will help me write the sequel to my book, Longer Than Long Shot. Um, long Shot 2. Longer, longest Shot. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy in that I knew if you're going to spend eight hours doing something, you should probably invest in doing it right. That's why I love Helix Sleep, which will send a mattress to your door that's made just for you. You take the Helix Sleep quiz and you get matched with a mattress based upon whether you want it to be soft, medium, firm, how you sleep, other variables, and then voila, it gets sent to your door and you can try it for up to 100 nights 
and send it back. They have a 10 plus year warranty because they believe in their product so much. I do too, my kids do too. They actually seek out this mattress even though it was designed not for them. <laughs> That's how good this product is. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple chiropractors and doctors because they think it'll make you healthier. Don't take my word for it. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Next up, we have... Uh, the economy, and then we're going to close with tech. So the economy, I mentioned this. Uh, I think that the mild recession I'd predicted for 23 happens in 24, which is, by the way, another reason I think having Joe Biden uh, as the nominee is a disaster. Bidenomics doesn't hit now. <laughs> it's not, like, not going to, all of a sudden, everyone's going to be like, oh, shoot, like Biden. I mean, that was malpractice just naming the economy after Biden. That was dumb from day one. Um, it, it's worse when people aren't loving it. There are just massive imbalances in the economy that are going to come to roost. I mean, the obvious ones are commercial real estate and urban centers. I mean, that stuff needs to get revalued. Uh, that's going to end up hitting the balance sheets of various local banks. Residential real estate, in my opinion, is right there too. Uh, that there's a, a ton of paralysis in the market where there are a bunch of folks being like, hey, I can't sell because... Uh, I don't want to lower the price. And people are like, well, I can't buy at the price because I can't get a mortgage. Um, people just got very used to mortgage rates that were sub 4%. Now mortgage rates are starting to come back down below 8%, but that still ends up doubling your monthly payment. Uh, There's so many young people I know who are like not even looking anymore. So um, I, I think that uh, you're going to, to see a retrenchment in some places, even in terms of residential Something that people don't recognize as much, too, is uh, there is a, a problem in terms of startup valuations where startups raised money in 2020 and 2021 at valuations that don't make much sense. Um, mm -hmm. I uh, advise a company that just cut its valuation by 50 percent um, to get some new money in. And they're one of the lucky ones in that they actually got they some got money. money. Yeah. Yeah. There are a bunch of startups that are not getting money. Uh, I, I know a bunch of people in tech um, who have get, been laid off recently. And these were people I would never have given any thought to, like folks that are like very competent and accomplished uh, and in their 40s. And then, uh, you know, I just randomly hear it's like, hey, like I'm, I'm uh, now at loose ends. Uh, you know, I was working at this big te tech company. Um, yep. So. You know, most people, and this is one of the things I said is like, look, commercial real estate uh, and and entrepreneurship aren't normal jobs. Aren't normal, I mean, they have effects in various ways. Commercial real estate will certainly have a big effect, like when it gets revalued. Um, residential affects a lot more people. Um, but I, I think that there are still imbalances and shoes to drop. Uh, and when they do, uh, you know, there, there are going to be some economic repercussions that don't help people, even who aren't touching those industries. So I, I think the mild recession does come in 24. So a couple no numbers that are crazy. The biggest one to me is credit card debt. It's outrageous. A lot of people don't know their interest rates on credit cards. There's some numbers on that, but um, they're, they're like 27, 30%. Not, you know, they'll, they'll kill you. Well, I, you know, you could throw the, the uh, reinitiation of student loan payment into the mix. Um, I, I saw a stat that said 40% of people didn't pay in, yeah. in October, and that might have been confusion, but some of it is probably can't afford to. This is like the time of year every four years we get to try and reset the direction of the country, and we don't really get to do it right now, and that's frustrating. I would say this. If the economy's so good, why is my rent so damn high? You know what I mean? And like, I, that's, I'm, a, I'm a dink. I'm a dual income, no kids. If it's tight for me come on, you know, like it's, it can't be great in the rest of the country. And I know that because I've, you know, spoken with people all the country. So it's, that's, it's, we have housing, education, healthcare, driving everybody nuts. And if those don't get fixed, no one's going to feel the economy is good. It doesn't matter how good the stock market is. It doesn't matter about venture valuations. Like those things are, are 
the canary in the coal mine in some ways. They're warning yeah, signs. That, but, that's what I'm uh, saying is they're the warning signs. They're, they're, they're the growth curve. And then if you smush the growth curve, <laughs> eventually you start getting to the, the, the um, main street uh, mom and pop, uh, you know, average consumer. But you're right. I've seen stats on uh, delinquency and various things like auto delinquencies, yeah. uh, cre credit card debt going up. Like there are a bunch of things that suggest that uh, consumers are weakening uh, the student loan, like non-payment rate or confusion rate or whatever. Uh, you know, you add it all up, and like to me that like that this stuff rolls over into a recession sometime in the next twelve months. My prediction is, I think we're going to see the combination of people staying at home a lot more and pops of civil unrest um, and protests. I don't know if they particularly turn violent, but pops of anger. And so what I mean by that is um, I'm seeing this in New Hampshire with political events. And I'm not even talking about ours. I'm talking about the Republican Party um, where you just have students in these college events or Vivek and Christie and Haley doing college events. And there's no students there. There's just nada. My my brother's been evaluating a company in um, in his world, and he's one of the things they've been. There's a lot of crazy data on the younger generations because Netflix and Hulu and entertainment and video games are so powerful and so entertaining. People are staying home a lot more, and then to get them off their ass, it needs to be like TikTokable, Instagramable in the sense it has to be this like life-altering experience that they shareable experience and so brands are paying crazy money to be at these kind of festivals and concerts and experiences because the brand experience is really nice like event marketing is somewhat uh making it a weird comeback um so that's why i think this plays out outside of like various versions of the economy where people are at home most of the time and i think hate angertainment if you will bubbles them up and then as issues occur, whether it's Israel, Gaza, whether it's the economy, whether it's another George Floyd type tragedy, you see various pops of anger that are short lived because they're going to go right back home. Um, but I think we're going to see more and more of this. And you predicted this in your book, uh, War on Normal People. But um, I, I think you predicted more like consistent violence and anger. And we saw that around George Floyd. But now I think you're going to see like at home lazy to pops of anger back to at home lazy. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's my sense. You, you should coin a term for that, man. Uh, some would call it slacktivism, but it's like uh, the lazy protest. It's like <laughs> show up, show up once for the gram, uh, and then I'm back to Netflix. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting too how uh, now the actors are back from their strike, but the, the media companies, holy cow! I don't know if people have been noticing the turmoil. I mean, even if you say something like Disney's uh, lost money. Uh, and you think like, I thought Disney was this juggernaut. I mean, like that Disney's having major, major challenges. Most of the major media companies are having big challenges. Uh, it's because streaming is a freaking terrible business. Uh, you know, like the only one that's made it work is Netflix. Everyone else is just losing money. It's because the, the subscribers are fickle and then content expensive to make. Is that the the challenge? Yeah, and and people will not sign up for more than a certain number of streamers. <laughs> you know, like like after you you get to two. We looked at this, Andrew, where it's like um the va like a lot of these um how these are funded somewhat, if it's a public company and you can get a really good multiple on your subscribers, like that's where it gets good, right? So if you have a million people paying ten bucks a month, you can make that a bill you can rank ramp that multiple up to be a billion dollar company and then you have equity and, and you can get cash to, to create great content and that has to keep going but if valuations are down it's not really enough uh the, the model gets worse if you will uh and you have to forward look it takes years to make a good movie or tv show etc right well the, the tough part is we're really being conditioned man uh, you know like we're, we're we're being conditioned and you're seeing it with so, the failure of some movies at the box office like to get me to the box office uh to, it, it's got to be like Barbenheimer or something, <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if, if it's Bill Simmons made that prediction a while back, by the way, he said, uh, he said the only reason to go to the movies, I like Bill Simmons, like the, he, the ringer, he's a sports guy, but he does a lot of pop culture. And he said something interesting. He said, the only reason to go to the box office is like your Marvels where it's like the big, and that's, you know, Marvel's been struggling, but theoretically the like mega 
it. And then he said culturally relevant movies. And when he said this is when the social network came out. It was like everybody wanted had to see that. And I think that's still the case. Um, and it's ruined. Like think about how many good movies, let's call it in the 90s, that were just like shitty 90-minute like low budget stuff that are wonderful, right? Like how to lose a guy in 10 days. I love that movie. It's a good rom-com. I don't think that gets made today. I, you know, I, I, I was a very, very loyal theater goer. I even had the AMC Stubbs card and the whole yeah. thing. I'd get like free popcorn, but uh, yeah, it's a harsher media environment. It's one reason why I'm, I'm actually grateful to everyone who, who tunes into the podcast. I was, I just, I was just at uh, like an industry event and apparently podcasts have uh, gotten shelved right and left. Uh, and I was like, Oh shoot, like we're actually doing fine. We're like growing, like, uh, you know, so thank you. Yeah. Well, same. It's, it's similar to the subscription thing. There's only so many pods you can listen to. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so really grateful to people who think that this is worth it. Um, thank you. So this is a, a tech prediction that blends into some of the other stuff we're talking about. I think that, uh, 2024 ends up becoming the AI cycle where you have uh, deep fake videos uh, mm -hmm. and audios down the stretch uh, over the last several weeks uh, that uh, end up causing a lot of confusion and turmoil. Um, you saw this, by the way, there, there was another country where like there's a last minute deep fake and it might have made the difference. Uh, I think it was Estonia. So you're so you're going to see uh, this be the AI cycle. All sorts of weird shit's gonna come up in our social media feeds over the last uh, two, three weeks, and that could be one of the defining elements. By the way, it's also gonna make it so it's uh, it's easier for folks to um, argue that there was fraud or uh, something uh, was rigged or stolen because that there's going to be a lot of AI-generated confusion down the stretch of the fall. So here's what the political tactic is. So you can't do deep fakes in a multi-state primary too often because there is a good, and I'm happy for this, there's a healthy public backlash if you do it. And it's happened, I think DeSantis did one where it's it's not good and you have to apologize and you have to say that was wrong or I don't agree with that, right? But when you're talking about late in the game stuff or like winner take all, so it's the end of Super Tuesday or the national election, what will happen is some savvy political operative or company will create a deep fake video and run ads on it on TV or wherever it is, um, or deep fake phone calls, et cetera, that have their opponent doing something awful, something that you know, and you have this data, like it crosses a line that voters really, really don't like, right? And it's, a, it's, it's something like uh, showing that a Republican is pro-choice instead of pro-life, like last minute, right? Something awful or something personal attacks, et cetera. And it happens last minute, so you can't really respond. It's right before election day. And then the election happens and people either stay home or vote a different way. And then in the aftermath, you'll find out usually, because um, it's going, it has to go to enough people for it to be public. But then the election happened, right? And so that's what's gonna happen. And the question is, do people tune it out? Do they, are we used to this, et cetera? But to your point, the first one it's the first time we're doing this right so you have some you'll have folks my mom's age and others that are in the demographic voters and they're seeing something that looks and feels very real what are they going to do i don't know it doesn't look great and so that my i agree with you it's a powerful political ai prediction my prediction on ai is that we have an ai it's my similar prediction that i had web3 and maybe i'll be wrong again but uh ai gets mass adopted in some version i think it's going to be a personal assistant i think that's the first one where like what Hey Siri is, um, where Siri is, where it's, hey, book me an appointment, write this email, get me a rezo. I think it gets really good there. Um, I could be wrong, but that's... No, I, I, I think that's a good prediction. Uh, I just met with an entrepreneur who's working on an AI therapy bot, um, which by yeah. the way, I think there's a lot of potential for. There's some um, angles. What's crazy, Andrew, is that when we were running, you were talking about um, non-repetitive cognitive work you're like cognitive or repetitive. And so non-repetitive cognitive work was the ones that we thought would be quote unquote safe. But now you're seeing like design and musicians and AI really kicking ass in some of those areas, as opposed to uh, it sucks at like, it sucks at writing somewhat. Uh, it can do basic writing, but it's, uh, but like there's, there's certain lanes where I thought creatives would stay strong and like anything repetitive would, 
would get rocked and it's not as clear cut. Yeah, yeah. The the repetitive, non-repetitive stuff. I mean, so repetitive, you think it's rules-based, like uh, accounting, bookkeeping. Um, the, the tough truth is that a lot of quote-unquote creative work also uh, is kind of repetitive and like follows rules. You just don't really, you know, uh, uh, know them as uh, clearly, but AI can produce art. Um, There's some an AI, AI logo is- gener- generator that I've used and it's objectively good. And here's the other thing. It does like the basic work. It gives me a hundred concepts, a thousand concepts. And And then then I can take that to massage it, it, right? It's Um, the same. Like I tell people it's great at naming things where- Great at naming. Okay, name this thing and then it'll give you five, 10 suggestions. And then you might not choose any of them, but you're going to end up springboarding off of one of the suggestions uh, to the one you want. You get an infinite brainstorm in minutes. You know what I mean? Like think about when you're trying to name something, you like Google synonyms, et cetera. It just give me 20 names for a- healthcare policy, whatever you want to do, right? For a new company that does X. It's, first of all, it's very exciting and very frightening. And everybody knows this. Um, and I think that's why I like listening to you. I still listen to your podcast because you, you <laughs> understand the- Sorry, man. I mean, that's hysterical. Sorry. Yeah, I listen. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. Like, I don't listen to everything. It's tough sometimes, but I, I try to do as many as you can. But you like the, the economy, humanity, political- tripod of how AI is going to affect that's the type of like leadership we need. And that's the type of like foresight we need. Um, and very few people actually do it. Um, and if they do it somewhat well, they'll never touch politics. It's like, if you listen to the all in guys, I love them. They talk about politics. They never run. Like they'll just donate, you know, raise money. It's good fun. Uh, and, uh, it's been fun getting behind Dean in part because it makes me appreciate, uh, how, clear and independent we can be. Um, and in part because of folks who tune into the podcast or, or whatnot, I'm not dependent on the democratic machine for anything in the way that just about everyone over there in uh, both politics uh, and media are. Um, uh, and so being able to call out things like, hey guys, Joe Biden's old and unpopular, there's a dumb idea. And then look around and, and know that other people are thinking the same thing and are unable to say it. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing when I was running for president on UBI. It's like, hey, guys, we're going to automate the shit out of a lot of things. And then a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, that's totally happening. <laughs> but but there, but there was no incentive for anyone to say it. And the great thing about you and me, Zach, is we can do what we know is right. And there are enough people that still look at us and support us and say, OK, those guys are trying to do something good. Let me at least check it out. Let me see what they're up to. Let me see if I agree. Right now, the great hope for this country is, in my opinion, the Dean Phillips campaign to give us a choice to move on from Joe Biden. You are grinding on that every single day. Uh, To close out this convo, what are you seeing on the horizon for the campaign, for Dean Phillips, for the primary? Someday, maybe at some point, I'll maybe do a little more inside baseball. But the reality is no one's paying attention to this race, which means no one's paying attention to Dean Phillips or really Joe Biden, except you've probably heard polls suck, which is true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're terrible. Not good. Um, the goal is New Hampshire. I'm going to New Hampshire is New Hampshire on January 23rd. Let's go January 23rd. And that should be a, a, a moment. Um, and it's funny. I've talked to, to Dean about this where he talks about um, when he said he created T- Talenti gelato. He, there were two big ice cream players. And what happens when you have a, essentially two monopolies or it's like one or the other, it's, it becomes a race to the bottom. Um, and so Talenti was able to find a, a healthy middle Um at a you know high quality at a reasonable price um, and kind of stand out in that world. And that's essentially what he's doing in politics right now, where you have two parties that are monopolies, right? They are, you're either on the team, you're off. And if you're off, you're, you're toxic. Um, and people are saying things privately that they won't say publicly, which is insane. So he's, you know, trying to offer an alternative. And so my, my vision is it's gotta be real, you know, gotta be real. It's gotta be, People need to feel like this has a real shot. And look, he's going to be on the ballot in more than 40 states, probably more than 45 states. That's enough to win. We got to wake the country up. We got to, we are, uh, and this is tough. As a country, we're complacent right now. We're like, we hate the outcomes. Dude, I mean, but- I, I'll, I'll say it. Like right now, people are burnt out, jaded, negative, checked out, uh, you know? Um, so it, it's hard to shake them and be like, yo, we really can do better than this, like we can want more, 
we can make changes. We can still have new leaders that care about us, that will put us ahead of their own, you know, ambitions, that we are their ambitions. I mean, you know, we, we still need yeah. these things. Um, but, but like, and in many ways, what's funny, Zach, is like you, you and I ran this campaign in 2020. And I think a lot of people who followed us came away very, very deeply disillusioned with the nature of the machine. They were like, oh my gosh, like these guys don't play it straight at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then this cycle, it's even worse where they're like, oh my gosh, this time they're not even pretending. But it's the same um, freaking challenges to overcome. You know, like it still has to be, we activate people. This time we get them to back Dean, vote for Dean on January 23rd in New Hampshire. And then it's game on where everyone looks up and says, wait a minute, we don't need to just accept that it's going to be Joe. Um, who's this Dean fellow? And then they'll check him out. Uh, they'll find he's a great human being with a heart of gold. Uh, he's just a really, really good, genuine person who wants to do right by us. Uh, the fact that you're fighting to make it happen uh, makes me proud of you. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm doing everything I can to help too. I hope people listening to this will, will do the same. So big predictions for 2024, drum roll. We have the Democratic Party moves on from Joe Biden. Third parties get double digits in the election. The mild recession happens. AI goes mainstream in your life. AI ends up screwing up politics down the stretch in November. And we're going to close with, hey, go check out Dean24.com. But also the most important thing, things, who wins the Super Bowl? And are Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey still together at the end of Ooh. 24? So Ooh. go ahead, Zach. So I predicted the Bills to win the Super Bowl last year. And then um, Damar Hamlin almost died, essentially technically died on the field. And it kind of rocked our team in a way I wasn't ready for. Um, so I'm not going to predict the Bills, though I think we might get hot. I, I think the Ravens, Ravens, Niners, Ravens take it this year. I think they're the best team. We'll see. But I mean, look, I'm rooting for the Bills. I think we are the best team. We play well, but we've been a little streaky this year. Uh, what do you Dude, think? They're going to go on a run, you know, that they could be like, get uh, hot, baby, don't let yeah, us get yeah. hot. Don't let them get hot. Yeah, I think the Bills make the playoffs and make some noise personally. Um, the the matchup that jumped to mind for me is the Ravens Niners. I think I'd, I'd take the Niners. They, they seem like they they've got that mojo this year, though. I, I do really like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And I'd, I'd enjoy Lamar's that. so fun to watch. Um is um and so and then Travis and Taylor. So I heard a rumor. Everybody hears rumors. It's Taylor Swift. It's just everybody. It's gossip, gossip. Um, but it was someone told me that um, Carly, someone Carly had told me she'd been reading some blogs, etc. That there was there's a fan theory that they've been dating for a while, and that the friendship bracelet that he brought up on his podcast and then meeting was like a very well calculated rollout. Um, to get the deserved PR around it, which honestly would make sense because it seemed like it accelerated so quickly. Like she's with the family. Like it was like two weeks in, she's like hanging with the mom and like that sort of thing. Um, so I'm going to say they're together for, I think they have a really, uh, I don't wish ill. I hope, I hope they're actually in love. My gut says it's going to be a very public breakup and we're going to get a really good album out of it. Maybe that's selfish. And that's, <laughs> But I hope Taylor finds love. And I think, last thing I'll say, if Taylor gets married and has babies, it will be one of the best baby booms in this country. That's probably my last prediction. If that happens, we're going to have a baby boom in the United States, and that'll yeah. be good. Yeah, whatever she names the baby will be the most popular baby name that yeah. year. People I do think babies. Taylor Swift could run for president and do very, very well and win. I mean, I publicly said, like, Taylor, because, you know, you attend um, an heiress tour, and you see that. that, that uh, She's clearly rational, crowd. you know? Um, yeah, but but also she's she's got the right personal qualities in my opinion. That's, a, uh, yeah, you know, that's what I mean. She's, Actually, you know what? That's what I'll say. I want I want to close with this, Andrew. Is that when I first before I took the job with you, I talked to three or four of people who worked very closely with you from Venture for America or other businesses, and I believe you're known by the company you keep. And all of those people, and I asked them for like, I'm like shit on them to me. I'm like, give me his worst, give me this, and they all. Um, they swore by you. They loved you. You know, they really did love you as humans, um, as a human being. And uh, 
I had the same thing with Dean was one of the things that stood out to me was that his family and his the people around him and his staffers from Minnesota and folks I've known him for years really do love him. And I think you know, the press will say this and Twitter will say that and blah, 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 blah. Right. But at the end of the day, like who really knows somebody is the people they spend the most time with. That's how you generally can tell if someone's a good human being. Um, and I believe in, in my own experience too, is that Dean's a great human being and uh, Andrew Yang's a great human being. And so I think that's what we need to be asking for and not splitting hairs over policies. Like, I don't know if we have good human beings in our leadership uh, in this country right now. So like, we'll leave you with when we ended in 2020, 2016, there were times you probably get really excited about a candidate, whether it was Andrew or Bernie or someone, and you felt hope. And uh, then it goes away and you feel sad. And I do feel there's my glimmer of hope right now uh and i'm clinging to it you know what i mean dean, dean phillips a great human being he gives me hope as well you give us hope zach people see in you the prince that you are i'm so glad that my colleagues lied about me uh to you th those uh months ago nice work people <laughs> they were good man joe guy shout out joe guy his name is joseph R. guy he's the man uh he was an old roommate of mine that's how i met andrew technically uh because he was working for vfa early on and he gave me the whole shoot and he's like Andrew, i will take a bullet for andrew yang um oh so nice joe guy's a great guy, great guy. Uh, <laughs> literally <laughs> great um mr but, guy but you, you, you're totally right if if the country knew what they had in dean phillips uh he would win uh, yes, because for sure he he's a genuine guy human <laughs> he's, he's a genuine what about you too if everybody could meet you if everybody could meet dean we'd win that's but that's not the game the game is uh one i got well, play. So, and, and in many ways man the game is trying to take who we are uh, and filter it through a machine and the machine wants to funhouse mirror dean it certainly you know enjoyed occasionally funhouse mirroring me yeah um and, and so then you, you, you so then you have a couple of uh, ways of getting the word out, but that that is a challenge, and I'm convinced the machine is crumbling. The machine's still quite strong and powerful. And what initiated my presidential campaign in many ways when I was in D.C. saying, "Hey guys, we're automating the Jawsway. What are we going to do?" And then one person said bullshit, another person said bullshit, another person said bullshit, and the fourth person said, "Andrew, you're in the wrong town. This is not a town of leaders. This is a town of followers. We're not going to do anything." And the only way we would do something is if you bring the wave crashing down our heads and people remember that from the campaign. Great line. Still true today. It's not a town of leaders. It's a town of followers. Got to bring the wave crashing down their heads. And this time the wave is going to start on January 23rd in New Hampshire. Zach, thank you for taking time out of the busy campaign to spend some time with us uh, to continue the tradition of New Year's predictions. We're going to see how many of them come true. And in some cases, we're going to work like mad to make them come true. Hell yeah, man. Um, anyway, those of you listening, I love you. I love being on. Thanks for taking care of Andrew while I'm not here. Stay strong. Have a wonderful, happy holiday. Happy New Year. I guess this is airing on New Year's, right? So hope you had a happy yeah. holiday. Have a happy New Year. Let's make 24, 2024 our best year yet. Let's do it. 2024, let's go. Thank you, Zach. See you out in the, the trail. Yes, sir.